We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What up? Pat Mayo here. Just want to let all you golf heads know if you're looking for the final bets for the Memorial, plus the DraftKings ownership and the weather report that is over on the Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets The Mix podcast feed. I've dropped the links to subscribe in the description of this podcast, so go check that out. There's French Open picks on that feed every single day. The Euro bets are up there right now, and we're going to have a ton of MMA and soccer coming up, all short-form content. So now that we're heading full-time into football, that is where you'll hear the Wednesday Golf Bets show. Plus, you can just watch it at any time on Mayo Media Network's YouTube channel. So if you have not subscribed to that, please go subscribe right now, okay? Let's get to football. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Today, we're doing it. We're getting into the full-fledged 2021 fantasy football season team-by-team breakdowns. Which guys are going to be fantasy relevant this year? Which guys should you draft from these teams as we go through division-by-division? And then hopefully I'll be able to use all the information once we get through all of the teams in order to make my rankings. And I'll make those special shows where me and a guest will go through each of the players and actually put them into tiers. And then I will cobble together my top 150. Then all of a sudden we got a great big show and then drafts are coming up. And I just enjoy the kickoff to fantasy football season. But I'm not losing yet. And I'm still winning. Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com is joining me to break down each of these teams. What's your favorite point of the fantasy football preseason because the week to week it's like a grind uh it's a real job but right <laughs> now like everything is possible in terms of fantasy football there are no i mean there are bad predictions but nothing is wrong as of yet which is great everything's great and you know i, I see the potential for you know drafting super early like people right now and because you know more than most people and you get that advantage of values in the 9th 10th 11th 12th round and then the counter argument too is well then you don't you know, have injuries that could pop up or cuts or situations that we didn't expect so i see both but my favorite part 
and this isn't just because of like the flex leagues or whatever. It's that first week of August. It's that first weekend where it's the Hall of Fame game that we don't really care about, but we know it's the kickoff the preseason. It's August. We're starting to draft. Uh, that's really kind of still early for drafts, but it's it's that initial August starts, and it feels like it's that first day of summer. It's the first day of winter for Christmas coming. That type of it's just that first moment of like, hey, it's here. We're finally made it, and it's all the excitement. And then the entire month of August is fun. I have a gigantic announcement coming soon related to fantasy football season. Actually, I have like three giant announcements. One is bigger (laughs) than the rest. One could be something that involves you, the viewer out there, if you've ever wanted to get into the fantasy football space and host a show like the Pat Mayo Experience. Now, it wouldn't be the Pat Mayo Experience, but I might have some opportunities arising for football season. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that. Some people know what it is already because they listen to like a past show on the Corona cast where Davis and I talk through what the potential plan is. I should have some more details towards the middle of June uh, as this goes along. Could be a bachelor style show, Jake. What do you think about that? Uh, do I get to be the bachelor? Is that what you're telling me? No, I mean, it's the only way I would get a date. <laughs> this, yeah, maybe that's the only way you get a date, but in, in this realm, maybe it's more like the voice. I don't know. Or American Idol. Maybe you okay. could be one of the judges. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have no problem doing that. I, I think the people in America has got talent are too soft. Letting all these joke acts through, honestly. I don't know. Maybe you're too harsh to be a judge. I don't know. Anyway, I have an awesome, (laughs) put it this way, if you like projections and you like customizable projections where you can really dictate what you want to do with each of the games and what did did those numbers end up telling you, you have nothing to worry about because Pat Mayo's got you covered on this front. So a huge announcement coming very soon. So follow me at the PME on Twitter and you will find it all up there. Let's jump into this. Dallas Cowboys, who you got? NFC East is where we're starting. Dak Prescott is back after not playing most of last year. He was the number one fantasy quarterback by the time he got hurt. If you only look weeks one through four, he was number one QB uh, if you did points per game. And I think that points per game is probably a better measuring stick rather than total fantasy points for a season. It's like when people use yards per carry as a fantasy stat. It's like, yeah, it's not really telling me much, man. You need to tell me more than that. I just had a huge argument with one of my buddies at lunch on Friday. We were talking about because I it was it started with Najee Harris and that he wasn't a believer in Najee Harris. And I said, I, I put it right here on the table. He rushes for twelve hundred yards this year. He's like, how many carries? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, well, if he only averages three yards a carry, I was like, you realize yards per carry is like one of the worst stats to value anybody. Like, I understood where he was coming from, but I'm with you. Yeah, honestly, points per game is. I'm trying to think like of a good comparison. Like if that's only like the college level. So like high school level is yards per carry. College level is points per game. Well, you know, talking about the actual fancy points for the season. I should have said not yards per carry for so total fancy points, points per game. But I would say like the PhD level where people want to dive into it is like how many times did you finish as an RB1 or an RB2 or a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two? Because, you know, like Tyler Lockett looks great on a fancy points per game but he only really had four good games, like those kind of things. So like you can even take it to the next step further. Right now in early projections, I have Dak Prescott with 373 fantasy points, which makes him one of the highest guys. He's going to be a sought after quarterback. Where do you think that he's going to end up going? right now uh, and when fantasy drafts roll around amongst quarterbacks it's not because i mean you might play in a league with like 
12 or 11 absolute jamokes and they're like, oh, first round quarterbacks, let's go. And then, Dak, then, then Dak's going to like the second round. But in like real leagues, where do you think that Dak should be going? Is he a part of that what? tier of quarterback who's like a fifth round, sixth round guy? Or is he just a pass if he's going at that level? I'm still, what's a jamoke? I'm still trying to figure out. I've never heard jamoke before. Like I say mook and some people haven't heard mook before, but what's a jamoke? A jamoke is just another another term for jabroni, which I was overusing. So I switched okay. to jamoke. So you kind of took like mook and jabroni and kind of put them together. You got I like it. it. You got it. I like I like it a lot. I like that word. I'm going to start using that word. There you go. Uh, look, Dak Prescott, I've actually been in a couple of drafts already. And this, uh, we talked about it at the top. This is what we're doing already. Uh, and I'm shocked at where Dak Prescott's going because you said it. He's, he's actually going around the fifth, sixth round. And these are your experience, quote unquote, leagues. And he's going after quite a few times after Justin Herbert. And every single time, I'm just shaking my head. I, I understand the injury hesitation, but you mentioned it. Dak Prescott was the QB one in points per game before he got hurt. He is somebody that we assume at this point, we're assuming a lot of people are going to be healthy from week one. Joe Burrow is included. Obviously we have time to wait, but as of right now, assuming he's ready for week one, Dak Prescott arguably, arguably is the fourth best quarterback. And you could even make a case that he should be a little bit higher. And the only reason he's fourth and not a little bit higher is probably because of the injury risk, because look at the team he had last year. It's the same offense. It's the same questionable defense. If anything, it's healthier this year with CeeDee Lamb in his second season. So I have a ton of Dak already, and then it looks like I'm going to have a ton of Dak this year because in my personal rankings, I have him as the fourth quarterback. I could see him as high as four. I could see him as low as eight, depending on how people really felt about him. I, too, like him more than Justin Herbert. I think that there's a sneaky part of this where the Chargers' D just wasn't very good last year, uh, weirdly enough, despite the fact they have so many high-end players. And I think that does change a little bit with some of the moves they make, but primarily the return of Derwin James, if he can stay healthy, that maybe that Justin Herbert isn't asked to throw as much. And then it comes down to rushing, and Herbert's going to run a little bit, but I think the biggest difference between Herbert and Dak, That's despite the shows. fact that are going to be the rushing touchdowns. Like right now I have Dak, his median projection in terms of rushing touchdowns is around 19% market share of the rushing touchdowns on the Cowboys, which is right around where he's at almost every single year. People really sleep on that stuff. He's not going to be a guy who's Lamar Jackson and challenges a thousand rushing yards on the ground. However, he is someone who could sneakily rush for eight touchdowns if things break right. Right. And and the thing with you go back to Justin Herbert is he actually had five rushing touchdowns on only two hundred and change yards. A low two hundred was it was two thirty-four. Two hundred thirty-four yards and five rushing touchdowns. Like I expect that more of Dak. If you told me both only ran for two hundred and fifty yards, I'd put the odds on Dak over Herbert just because of their style and like the options that they have there. Uh, but the thing with Herbert, too, is you mentioned the part of the defense. If you look at a lot of his big games, we're talking about 40, 45, 50 pass attempts. And the second part, and I know we're not talking Justin Herbert today, but for the comparison of Dak, I, I'm going to so far I have zero. And I can see just because he keeps going as the fifth, sixth, seventh quarterback off the board. I'm going to have zero Herbert this year because it's not just what you mentioned, the defense and the pass attempts. It's also I watched those. I mean, watched all the games, but those Pat, those last couple games of the season. I know everybody's I'm, I'm going to even let's just throw out the Patriots game, although it counts. That was miserable. But even if you threw that out, he didn't look that great against Denver. Uh, it felt like teams were starting to figure out how to limit him, not completely stop him. Like, I'm not going to say he's going to be Jared Goff and fall off a cliff where teams figured out what you do to stop Jared Goff is just wait for the headset to click off and he can't figure out defenses for himself. But I did see that adjustment where 
NFL figured you out. Now it's on Herbert to do the same, to you know make his adjustment. But I can see a sophomore, not necessarily a slump, but he doesn't improve. And if that's the point, like I'm taking Dak every single time. Uh, Dak continued, what was it, six touchdowns four years in a row or three years in a row? He's just going to run from every single time. So, yeah, Dak Prescott deserves to be in a top five conversation. The only negative anybody can come up with at this point is just, hey, if you don't want to take the risk that he's not 100% come week one. Are you a believer in the Dallas defense whatsoever? Because I'm not, and I think that no. really works to Dak's favor here. No, yeah, this this the Cowboys, assumedly, as of today, are going to have to beat teams like 30 to 25 and 30 to 20 and 30. Like, they're going to need to score 30 points a game is what I'm getting at. So uh, even with what they added in the draft and even with, you know, I mean, there's a lot. They're hoping that Keanu Neal can be anything like he was with the Falcons. I mean, there's a, You look at it, and it's like you see a lot of names on the defense, and you're like, ooh, okay, you know, if he's this, if he's this. if But there's like five guys where you're just like, is he any good at this point? So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's better, but at the same time, I, I don't think it's all of a sudden going to be a top 10, maybe even 15 unit this year. Okay. Dak is, you know, he's going to be one of the top five guys, top six guys at the quarterback position. Then you have Zeke. And I'm really interested on what you think that the mm. snap share between Zeke and Tony Pollard is going to be this year. Because I think that's, I, I'm not necessarily willing to throw out what happened last year with Zeke. Obviously, he's another year older. The We saw the deficiencies in the offensive line. I think people get it in their heads with offensive line that like, oh, Dallas's offensive line is just dominating. It's like, yeah, I mean, that was like four years ago. It's, it's been a while since they've had like the best offensive line in the league. It's deteriorating just a little bit and it's a pass-happy team at this point. And we saw Pollard come in and do some good things. But then you have Dak back there with Andy Dalton and Benedicci playing quarterback. And yeah, he's not good. <laughs> it looked like he was hurt for most of the year too, uh, although he wasn't really missing all that much time. But he looked like noticeably slow. So you right. return Zeke to this right now i haven't projected for 60 percent of the rushing market share in terms of carries but that's not just split with tony pollard it's not 60 40 because i have dak up around 16 percent as well so just amongst running backs like is he going to be one of the few guys who still has over 70 percent of his team's carries he's going to be involved at the goal line he's going to get a few stolen from dak but you know whatever and is he going to be involved in the receiving game like what what it feels like people are down on zeke this year is what i'm getting at is he now and a nice buy Yes, uh, in my opinion, 100%. I will be if I'm in drafting in the second half of the first round, I'm going to have a lot of Zeke, uh, just like a lot of Dak. And honestly, I'm not scared of having both in the same team is when they're the best options. I don't try to go for that. But that being said, people quickly forget what Zeke was doing at the beginning of last year. Zeke for the first five games, including the one where Dak got hurt, was a top three running back uh, through the first five games. You know how many touches Tony Pollard had? 20. That's including receptions. That was 20 touches through the first. I think it was 11 or 12 carries. Now, do I expect Tony Pollard to be that limited this year? No, because, you know, Zeke's another year older on top of that. But Zeke is one of the few that 20 touches per game. There were people talking about, oh, what's the workload going to do with him? And he was fine. You mentioned the part also that he looked hurt and looked injured for a good point of the season. But the game where he came back healthy ran for over 100 yards, and then he got kind of banged up again, and then he was, quote-unquote, taking a game. Like, I say, quote-unquote, because, you know, we don't know how much to believe when somebody says they're not 100%, or now he's 100% or whatever, but, but the point being is supposedly he was 100% for that Philly game, which was the only other time that he ran for 100 yards, and those were both what you mentioned with the backup quarterback situation and poor quarterback play with Danucci and Andy Dalton. So 
I'm still in on Zeke. I still think look, Zeke is what going to be 26 this year. People act like he's 30 already, and he's still one of the best in the game. So I understand the Tony Pollard thing, but let's let. I think this is a rose-colored glasses situation because Tony Pollard, granted, it wasn't 15 carries and 20 carries and stuff like that, but people only remember the it's similar like Will Fuller. People only remember the good. People don't remember when Tony Pollard was out there running for, and I know we talked about yards per carry before, but you know, seven carries for two point two and a half yards per carry. Like he had quite a few games where it was just meh and it was just meh mixing in. So it's not like Tony Pollard was out there running for 80 yards on 10 carries every single week. Is he a part of the handcuffed here that is a must-have handcuff, though? Yes. I will. I, that's where I will say. And Tony Pollard was one of those situations where, you know, a lot of people are talking about him like, oh, Latavius Murray, great, you know, good comparison. But I, whereas I think you and I talked about it on the last show or one of your off-season shows where, like, I feel like James Robinson still has independent value. Latavius Murray, you don't ever want to start using him. You don't want to start him unless Kamara gets hurt. Now, that might change with the Saints saying they want to run more this year, but you don't ever want to start Tony Pollard. But if Zeke was to go out, absolutely. If Ezekiel Elliott was out, like if we said right now, Zeke Elliott just tore his ACL in practice, he's out for the 2021 season. Tony Pollard would probably go in the second round. So you, that's you, where it comes you could in. talk people into making him a first round pick if you really wanted to. Like he would go in the back. There would be people who would take I him wouldn't in the back. Do it, I, I fa- fair yeah. enough, but people would. That's how much hype he would end up getting. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. Okay. So the just looking at DraftKings Sportsbook right now, Dallas is actually the favorite in this division, which actually kind of surprised me a little bit. And they're massive favorites too. They're plus one one twenty five to win the division. And what are their team totals? I'm trying. Do they not have? They do have win totals. I'm surprised by that too. I was just looking in the wrong. What do you think that their win totals are for the year? Number over under wins. Remember, there's an extra game for. Yeah, for the extra game for uh, Dallas, I would guess it's nine and a half. It is nine and a half, juiced to the under. So more money coming in on the under. So I'm really strange that they're still plus 125 to win the division. So is there anyone beyond Pollard in this backfield that we should be aware of, or is it just the two guys? It's mostly just the two guys. Even if Zeke got hurt, Pollard, as we've seen, it's only been limited times where it's happened, but... Pollard steps in as the guy and, you know, whether it's, um, what's that guy's name? Allah, whatever, who, whatever his name is. What the hell is his name? Allah Nanulua? Yeah, Siwu. I should just say his first name. Oh, Siwu. I like it. I like where that's going. And I'm trying to remember who the other one is. There's another one. It's not as crazy as the last name. It's Rico Dodle. Sounds like a golfer's name. It's Rico Dodle. Yeah, Rico Dodle. 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 Yeah, we don't have a good enough grasp on these guys' names. They can't be good, okay? No. they're Well, they're replacement level. Well, there might not even be replacement level. That's the point. So, yeah, Tony Power would be kind of walking into like a Latavius Murray where like it's the guy. And then all all whatever. What the, actually, I think C was a little better than Dowdle. Sure, Doodle, whatever the, the Doodler. <laughs> uh, wide receivers, the Doodler. <laughs> so, so here's a really interesting thing right now. How much do you think separates C D Lamb from Michael Gallup in terms of fantasy points? Mm, for 2021, yeah, I will say an entire tier, if not more. I think so. It's funny. Uh, I did my breakout wide receiver or running backs and breakout wide receivers. I had planned a month ago and CD lamb is inside. I do top five. I'm doing actually top 10 for wide receivers just cause there's so many. I was doing top five for quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends, but uh, CD lamb was there and CD lamb is very near the top. 
and I've been watching fantasy Twitter over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, people, I just know that at this point, I should have released the article a month ago because people are going to be like, no kidding, CD Lamb. But I say that with this point. I was one of the people, I am one of the people on CD Lamb. I feel like right now you can still get him at a reasonable price. I feel like when we get to August, it, you're going to be buying him at his peak return value because a lot of what you see people tweeting about is one of the points I had in my article is that you can have two wide receivers from the same team finish as wide receiver ones, a healthy Julio Calvin Ridley. Uh, we can go down the list of the Packers that did it for years on end. You can, you know, there's a myriad of wide receivers. Thielen and Jefferson just did it. So you can talk about all these teams. But because of that, because fantasy Twitter is talking about it, because there's people already writing articles, including myself, about it, you can be on CD Lamb, but also realize that his price is just going to be so prohibitive that he now has to return wide receiver one value to even get a return on investment. So I answer your question to say I think there's a significant gap, um, but at the cost, which is something you talk about a lot, is like with these mixed backfields, you just said, give me the cheapest one, like the Patriots. Just always give me James White because he's the cheapest one. You would do that for years on end. At this point, I'm going to take Gallup at the discount. So, okay, let me ask you a second question then. How close are Cooper and Lamb? I would, so I could give you right now, let me go to my rankings. I can tell you how close I had them. I have like, do you, like, do you think it's close? Cause, cause projections have them five points apart for me well ahead of Gallup. And that's just what the medium projection is. If you simulate the season like 10,000 times. Now, when I look at the ADPs for them, Cooper's going as the 15th wide receiver drafted, Lamb the 18th wide receiver drafted and Gallup the 50th. <laughs> so I mean, a stub toe for C.D. Lamb, all of a sudden, Michael Gallup's like a wide receiver, too, and you got him for free or picked him up off the waiver wire. <laughs> you did, and that's why I'll take Gallup at the discount. I'm laughing because my way-too-early rankings from a month ago, I have Cooper at 15, I have Lamb at 20, and I have Gallup at 50. <laughs> And then that's how they're currently being drafted in early drafts. It just, yeah. seems, it just seems like a lot of value on Gallup. And I don't think that Gallup yes, is someone that is. you roll out as your wide receiver three every single week, but in good matchups, especially against weaker secondaries, especially deep, weaker secondaries, that as a flex play or a flyer play, like if you're an underdog in a matchup, I don't mind having him on my bench to insert in and be like, hey, I hope this is the game where his A dot is off the charts and it's like three for 153 and two touchdowns. Like he's... Of the guys on this team, he's not going to be the eight for 88 and two touchdowns. That's going to be Lamb. But it feels like Gallup is still right. like their explosive upside guy. No, and here's the one thing I'm looking at, too, is so let's jump all the way up to wide receiver 31 for me. Chase Claypool. What's the big difference between Chase Claypool and Michael Gallup? It, right, now it's, right, now, right now it's touchdowns based off last season, but who there knows you, how that's going to Boom, that's where I was going to go with it. That's exactly so I was going to reference last year, 62-873 for Claypool. And for Michael Gallup, 59-843, a 30-yard difference. But you just mentioned that's what I was going to bring up, nine touchdowns to five. That difference right there, 30 yards and four touchdowns, is the difference between wide receiver 18 and wide receiver 37. So where I was going to say is Michael Gallup, and that's why I love the value, is because these names that are down here, it's just wide receiver. We talked about it last year. We're talking about it again this year. Wide receiver is insanely deep. In the 30s, there's guys like... Brandon Cooks and Robbie Anderson and Corey Davis. And then even in the 40s is Marquise Brown and Antonio Brown and Devontae Parker. Michael Gallup can finish ahead of all of them if he catches two or three more touchdowns. 
For sure. And even looking at the like projected market share that I have right now of targets for them, I have Cooper at 21, Lamb at 20, Michael Gallup at 15 and a half with Blake Jarwin, who we'll get to in a minute, down at 10 as a part of that. Plus, you know, there's going to be the running backs. Elliott should probably have around like a 12%. Maybe Pollard gets like 4 or 5%, depending on what it is. And then guys, you know, Cedric Wilson will end up getting himself involved in the mix here. But those are just median projections. Like there is a scenario, yes, C.D. Lamb is the better talent than Michael Gallup, but if teams are putting an emphasis on him, it's just he's so close to Cooper. I would just so much rather have Cooper, and I don't even like Cooper because I never like I never <laughs> like having Cooper on my fantasy team. But if you're going to give me the choice between both of them at basically the same value, it's Cooper a hundred times out of a hundred. I, we've been doing this together for way too long at the point that I'm laughing. That's why I was laughing because the exact same thing. I never have rostered Cooper outside of trading him for him on the cheap. And I just did a dynasty startup where I took Amari Cooper because he went after CD lamb. And it's just like, you know what, if you're giving me both and I, I even with the age difference, and I understand it's dynasty, but the point being is the cost invested here. If you're going to give me them at the same cost in redraft or at a cheaper cost in dynasty, I'm going to take the guy who is also still, by the way, Amari Cooper's not that old. Uh, what is Amari Cooper at this point? Like 25, 26, not that old. No, he's about to turn 27, but still not that old. Mean compared to us. He's not that old, but you know, that's old for when the rest of your receivers are like 23. Uh, he's the old man on campus. 27 is not this, this, you still have at least today's NFL still have at least three, four years left. And Amari Cooper is not somebody, it's not like the Julio Jones where you have to worry about his knees breaking down. How many games is, how many times has Amari Cooper even missed time once? Yeah. I can't even, I, I can't recall off the top of my head when the last time he actually missed a game was or the missed Raiders. Like, I know he missed, missed like two games in a row. Yeah. And that was like, I think that was it. So tight end, you have Jarwin, and then you have Dalton Schultz. They brought in the sprinkler, Jeremy Sprinkle. You know he's going to catch a touchdown <laughs> if he makes, makes the team against Washington at some point. That's just bound to happen. Uh, any interest in these guys? Because I don't really – you'd think in a, such a pass-happy offense where they're going to score so many points that if you could s- definitively say, hey, Blake Jarwin's going to be the guy who's starting, I guess you, he could mm-hmm. theoretically have value. I just I don't see him being a top 12 tight end. No, I think that's where the value would be, is that if we knew Blake Jarwin was going to be the guy, but now we're, I'll go to Tampa Bay, draw the parallel there, is even if he's the guy, someone around Gronkowski, very touchdown heavy, somebody that probably doesn't, as you mentioned, finishes a tight end one. If he does, it's going to be hard predicting any week when you can actually get that value out of him. So, like, again, you and I hate the, oh, everybody's good in best ball, because everybody's good in best ball, but... Outside of that, that's the only scenario I would because you're going to try and guess the games. You're going to guess wrong half the time, and it's going to be similar to Tampa Bay, similar to Carolina, where, granted, Carolina's tight end situation was almost irrelevant because of how they were with the three wide receivers last year. But when you have three wide receivers of this caliber, you're lucky to get a tight end involved. And at this point, Schultz, you know, Schultz did more than people expected last year, so I don't think he's going to completely go away. I would say that Dallas is a what fantasy offense? Top five fantasy offense for everyone involved? Five. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be I one mean, of you're the, talking about. They're going to be a team you're going to want to pote- own most people from. Yeah, you have an RB1. You have potentially two wide receiver ones. And you have probably, I mean, a touchdown or two put Gallup inside the wide receiver three, if not higher. And then you have a top five quarterback. I mean, even if you don't include the tight end, you don't get that on most teams. You could probably say they're a top three fantasy offense. Yeah. I mean, I, I would 
by that. I have to I have to make a list of all the teams, but they would certainly be on that short list of being a top three fantasy team. How about one who's not? The New York Giants on DraftKings Sportsbook. They're <laughs> over under is how many, Jake? Mm, six and a half. It is seven even. And I'm looking at the New Jersey version of DraftKings Sportsbook right now, and everyone's betting the over. Big shocker on that one. Uh, they are no surprised. They, they have the third highest odds to win this division. They're behind Dallas and Washington at plus 350 to win the NFC East. And they made some moves. And I don't know. I'm mean, bringing in Kenny Galladay. They're going to get Saquon Barkley back. That all sounds like great news. How does this work with Daniel Jones? Because last year we liked Daniel Jones. And the whole reason was going to be that he has a really difficult schedule to start the season, then it gets super soft. But you'd think that a guy would figure out fumbling fucking issues after a while, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would. Speaking of Barkley, I was trying to find out where she went. I was looking looking around for it. But uh, yeah, Daniel Jones, funny enough, in my top five breakout quarterbacks, I included Daniel Jones. And I said, because let's talk about why people were drafting him. Remember last year, and I know you know this, as a fringe QB one was because the rushing upside plus what he just did the year before. He wasn't awful the year before. He was awful as a passer last year, but it's also the fact that he runs for four, five, six hundred yards, and he's not quite Josh Allen with the rushing touchdowns. But when you offset it with the rushing yards, you know it's a little bit more. What did Josh Allen run for last year? I feel like it was in the four hundreds. 421. Yeah, 421 and eight. Daniel Jones would probably be more like a 550, 604 or five, but that kind of almost evens out. And that was the excitement. His Hey, Daniel Jones can just throw for 36, 3,800 yards and 25 touchdowns with that rushing upside. You're talking about a QB one, a low end QB one. And that was the excitement. And that's why, but now you just mentioned it. So you have that excitement. People have already written them off because of how terrible this season was, but you bring in Kenny Galladay, you get a healthy Saquon Barkley. Maybe Evan Ingram can stop dropping the damn ball every time it comes his way. Sterling Shepard can go back to being the number two or number three with the same thing as Darius Slayton. And you can see why the Giants fan base is, you know, betting the over. You can see why there's optimism around this team. Can it all go horribly wrong? Of course. But you're telling me now I'm going to get Daniel Jones for free. I will take Daniel Jones for free as my flyer second quarterback of like, hey, maybe he turns into being something as a surprise. Maybe he's back to, you know, 3,520 touchdowns just doing that, but playing a full season and running for 506, and you're going to get back into a top 15 quarterback conversation. Yeah, it's really because it, it both depends on Daniel Jones and his effect on the wide receivers and what their potential fantasy upside is going to be. Right now, he's being drafted as the 29th quarterback off the board one spot ahead of ryan fitzpatrick and one spot behind Jameis winston that's where he's going in fantasy drafts like you said people were taking people were taking like 10th 11th 12th last year like oh here comes the upside here comes the upside and it just it never materialized but barkley is coming back barkley is still going as running back number two off the board i don't know if i would have the guts to take him at number two i know all logic says i should take him at number two but i just don't know if i want to do it yeah we'll say hey come here barkley she actually she knew. She walked back over. There we go. Hey, Barkley. There we go. So anyway, uh, I could see both sides of it. So um, I forget who I was talking about recently, but I said, if you want to take Derrick Henry as number two, honestly, if you want to take Derrick Henry as number one, because Christian McCaffrey is coming off a major injury, I'm not going to argue with you. Derrick see, Henry's a freaking hold, major. Hold on. I, I would say that Dalvin Cook would probably be my likely number two. If it wasn't going to Dalvin be Dalvin Cook's missed time every single year, though. Yeah, it's fine. I'll fill in elsewhere. I'll uh, I'll take uh, Saquon Barkley's backup, my guy, Devontae Booker, and he can be my good handcuff, and then he'll be a running back one, and he'll be better than Gallmania was when 
Barkley was out last time. And if hey, Barkley, Golmania was good. He was okay for some weeks. It, well, until the backup ends up being Guy Gary Brightwell, who they drafted. I'm not putting a lot of faith in Devontae Booker. But point being, I don't think it's the point. The what I was going to say here, I don't think it's as clear cut as everybody's making it. And what you kind of just said, I don't think it's definitely Chris McCaffrey, hundred percent number one. Saquon Barkley, hundred percent number two. Dalvin Cook, hundred percent number three. I actually have Dalvin Cook in front of Barkley because of the we don't know. And you also see, I think it was Jordan Renan who said that they might ease him into start the season similar to what happened when Dalvin Cook came back from his injury is the fact that those first two or three almost four games and if you remember that too is he didn't come back like gangbusters initially too because he kind of was like tweaking other things during that time so there's risk with Barkley there's risk with Christian McCaffrey too that's the weird thing and that's what I was bringing up Christian McCaffrey for is because everybody's like ah can we trust Barkley well why are we so okay with Christian McCaffrey like granted it wasn't two years in a row but they're both coming off significant injuries. I'll, and I'll, 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 I'll tell you. I'll tell you what what the difference is. There's. I think it's two. What is the difference? One, it's Barkley. Okay. It's been two years in a row, so that gets ingrained in the back of people's minds okay. that he's missed significant time. And McCaffrey is a way better fantasy player. Like he's significantly. Be- he's a significantly better fantasy football player on your team if they're both a hundred percent than Saquon Barkley is, and it's not even really close. Mm, not really close. I mean, Christian McCaffrey outscored every other running back two years ago by like eight points per game or something stupid like that. Yeah, but you know what happened the year before that, right? What happened? Saquon Barkley averaged more fantasy points per game and scored more than he did when they both played 16 games. Again, also different offenses. Also, Christian McCaffrey, different quarterback this year. I mean, I get... I'm just saying I don't think it should be so clear cut. I'm taking Christian McCaffrey number one. I'm not saying I'm not. I just if you I brought it up to basically go back to the Derrick Henry thing like Dalvin Cook's missed time every single year. Maybe one year he played a full season. I don't know. I know somebody will correct me in the comments, Um, but you're talking about injury risks with all of them. And everybody's going to be like, oh, the 370 carries or whatever. Like Derrick Henry is six, four, two, sixty five. He's a freak if he gets hurt it's going to be because somebody fell into his knees sideways it's not going to be because all of a sudden derrick henry is so banged up derrick henry is not going to be banged up um he could suffer the same thing that barkley just suffered so all that being said is i think there's a big four and i put camara in a group by himself because i think his uncertainty whether it's Taysom hill or Jameis winston like kind of leaves his situation up in the air but i think those big four if you want to take any of them the one four and what i was going to say with this whole conversation being is i want the fourth pick because i just want to take whoever's there at number four and then get the quicker turnaround see i still think that the offense that i want to be a part of here is carolina's offense not the giants offense and that's what the one thing that worries me about derrick henry i mean in terms of full point PPR. So you want Sam Darnold offense over Daniel Jones offense? Like definitively? Like it's that big of a gap? For me, yeah. I'd rather have the Joe Brady offense. See, uh, see I, I'd rather have the fact that, you know, Daniel Jones' excitement of what we were just talking about, that Daniel Jones could still be what Daniel Jones was two years ago. And I don't like it. People know I don't like Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah but, but, but d- d- Daniel Jones can be Daniel Jones from two years ago. I mean, if we're talking fantasy wise, the reason you'd be interested in Daniel Jones is because of the rushing yards. I think when it comes down to Sam Darnold, like I don't think that he's he's probably the same as Teddy Bridgewater when it comes down to it. I just know how this offense can operate. And even I mean, Kirsten McCaffrey put up those numbers two years ago with like the absolute worst people at QB. Except for Tyler Henneke, who's and, like pretty good. 
That was also not a rule Brady offense. And I, I, no, I, no, it I, wasn't. But biggest... I, but I think that this offense is going to be good. Just I, I just I believe in the way that he runs his offense. He's probably going to be a head coach as of next year. And it's not so much that Darnold's good or Darnold's bad. I think he's fine. But I've seen Christian McCaffrey do it in a bad offense with bad quarterbacks. Now he has a good offensive offensive coordinator. They have good receivers. And if Darnold can be like a little bit of a step up from what Bridgewater was last year, I mean, wasn't Christian? It's not like Christian McCaffrey wasn't the highest scoring running back in the games that he played. No, you're. I look. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. It's just my biggest point that I'm coming back to is I just don't think there's a definitive break between all of them like i'm going to put all four in a tier together and if you want to take any of them first if you want to make every argument you're making right now for christian mccaffrey if you want to make the same if you want to go back to you said dalvin cook if you want to make dalvin cook your number one pick i wouldn't do it but if you wanted to because you might have some hesitations about christian mccaffrey that's fine with me again my be all end all here is just i think there's a four and i think they all deserve to be the same i don't think there's one that's flawless what do we make of the the other big reason here is if Daniel Jones is going to be scrambling around, and I do have him as like a 17% market share. I'm not saying that it's going to take away from Barkley in terms of rushing yards or rushing touchdowns, but it could take away in terms of market share and overall targets and receptions where you know, the baseline that you're thinking of Christian McCaffrey in terms of, or even Delvin Cook at this point, it feels like their receiving upside is going to be higher. Maybe not upside, but their median receiving stats are going to be higher than Barkley's unless Daniel Jones just kind of becomes a different quarterback. I think you can make an argument for Christian McCaffrey potentially not seeing as much in the passing game as well, because you talk about two years ago, that was Curtis Samuel before being Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore just seeing 140 targets. That was like it in the passing game. Um, and I think what was Curtis Samuel's targets the two years ago? I would guess probably somewhere around 100, 105 maybe. So now you have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. They drafted Terrace Marshall and I'm not, saying that I wouldn't rather have McCaffrey's situation in the passing game than the Giants because the Giants did add Kenny Galladay. They still have Shepard. They still have Slayton. They still have Evan Ingram. And then you come down to Daniel Jones, but also Daniel Jones passing to the running back has done a little bit better job than Sam Darnold has. And Sam Darnold has just been awful so far. Uh, you know, you and I probably talked about at some point, I know I've made the joke before that it's your point about Joe Brady, that if Joe Brady makes Sam Darnold into a top 15 quarterback, not even top 10, just top 15, Give him a head coach job. Put him in the Hall of Fame uh, because Sam Darnold's been miserable. And it includes in a clean pocket. He is some of the worst numbers you've ever seen from a clean pocket. And I bring that up to say that with Daniel Jones, it's a stark difference. I mean, you're talking night and day with a clean pocket. And obviously, it comes down to offensive line play. But I say that, too, if the offenses, if both offenses work out, a ten, you know, 10 out of 10, if they're exactly what both teams hope they can be, I think Saquon Barkley is passing and is going to offset what he's going to be able to do rushing wise for the difference between Christian McCaffrey. I just think like I see why people want the optimism. Whereas I still agree with you. I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. There's more risk with Barkley, but I think if both situations play out how they want them to be, I think we're going to be talking about them neck and neck. Like they were 2019, like where they were like maybe a point and a half a point apart from each other in a points per game difference. So I think they're going to be very close. If, both scenarios work out the way they should. How many fantasy points has Saquon Barkley scored since you named your dog after him? Forty <laughs> total. If if, if that. Years? 
I don't know how many. Like, I'm gonna now you're gonna make me pull it up. Let's see, Saquon Barkley. So I got Barkley. She was born. Actually, her birthday is coming up, June 8th. She was born June 8th, 2019. So uh, I got her August of that year. Oh, he he played a lot of games in 2019. So there you go. Oh wait, did I get her in 2020? Now now my years are starting. Like, get old, Pat. You're not getting as old as me. I, I had a, I had my second son, and all of a sudden I have like gray hair. I have to be like Eric Bischoff and use the just for men. And I'm just like, man, to father, yeah, I got her in 2019. Father, father, so father, she, father time really just kind of catches up with you here. Just just to like beat you up as soon as you have two kids. He has he has 230 fantasy points in two years. He scored right. 218 in 2019. That's not bad. Put it this way: I have Barkley projected right now at 331 PPR fantasy points this year. I have okay. Dalvin Cook at three. Have? I have Dalvin Cook at 369. Okay, what do you have Christian McCaffrey at? Uh, now I have to go do a search on that. McCaffrey. Where are you at, McCaffrey? <laughs> nope. Ray Ray McLeod. Nope. Tucker McCann. Nope. Colt McCoy. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. 393.5 PPR points. That would be with 108 targets. And this is median projection, by the way. 86. Right, right, eight, right. Eight, eight, I mean, 86.8 receptions there we go so 87 receptions there's 87 points right there receiving yards 724 uh receiving touchdowns three like that's that's going to be the most of any running back probably unless it's like austin eckler okay uh so by the way christian or christian saquon barkley his rookie season was 338 for fantasy points uh if you want to go back to your receptions point about it so his receptions that he was on pace for in 2019 went from 91 as a rookie to 64 in his second season. So even if you're in that 60 to 70 range, it's not Christian McCaffrey. But I think that, again, I would take, if you told me rushing wise, I would take McCaffrey, I would take Barkley over McCaffrey. You talk receiving wise, McCaffrey over Barkley. So as, the, draft, I'm still as, as the backup, though, you mentioned Brightwell over Booker. Do you think that sticks? No, 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 no. I was saying I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes them. I'm just Booker's replacement level running back for me. Um, and honestly, between the two backfields, way way more excited and grabbing every single time i can in the 13th 14th round is hubbard for carolina no question about it that that's i would draft him even if booker was on the board i would still draft hubbard before i drafted booker so it's just like me taking mike davis in the last round last year yes yes it works out because i mean who's there who's in carolina i know bonifon was in and out and because he got hurt i don't even know if he's still on the roster anymore they had the dude from the Jets, um, Cannon, and then I don't remember, Mike Davis is gone, and I don't remember even who else they have on this team. And they, Hubbard's the guy. If if something happens to Christian McCaffrey again, Hubbard can be a top twenty running back. All right, let's. So I, I hear Barkley in the background. Doesn't like all the Barkley slander. Yeah, I'm not even trying to slander Barkley. I just <laughs> I just don't think he's like. I'm just expressing my pensiveness <laughs> over taking him number two overall. Do you realize how little she tries to play with toys by herself? And now she's doing it like it's she knows she's just doing it to be a jerk. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I do stuff to be a jerk all the time. Uh, ask outside of you. Ask any one of my guests about that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we're two jerks in a pot here. Wide receivers. Uh, I wasn't even trying to do a play on words. Yeah. Wide, wide receivers on the Giants. Now this is where it gets tricky. You got Galladay. They draft Tony. Slayton's still there. They have Sterling Shepard. Uh, they have John Ross on the team, which I just totally forgot about. <laughs> Dante Pettis, I believe, is on this roster. Uh, then you have I don't Evan. Know if he's anymore. He's not. He already got cut. Good for him. So uh, of those guys, we'll talk about tight ends in a second. Galladay. Tony Slayton Shepard. Although if Sterling Shepard ended up with the most points, I wouldn't be super stunned. 
I wouldn't be super stunned either, especially because Shepard can go back to playing primarily the slot, and he does a lot. Of, I wrote an article about him two years ago, I think it was, because I was talking about quarterback changes with rookies included, and I was talking about the difference between, and the whole reason behind that article was Adam Thielen and the question of whether or not Adam Thielen was going to be forced to play outside a lot more. Um, but one of them was why I pulled up the Sterling Shepard, and that still holds true today, and that's why I say is Sterling Shepard is definitively better out of the slot. So I'm going to go back to the years with Randall Cobb when Randall Cobb was all of a sudden asked to play outside and be the number one for the Packers, and he struggled, and then he was back to being good. And this is not today's Randall Cobb, obviously, but you know some receivers are just not equipped to do more. We saw rookies last year, Jalen Rager and Henry Ruggs. They weren't ready to play outside and be the number one wide receiver. There's some limitations to their games, but there's also some limitations in general with wide receivers. And so if you told me to rank them, yeah, I would probably go Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Tony. I don't think Tony is going to be fantasy relevant at all without an injury. I, I think he's somebody that does better real life value. But for 2022, if you're any type of redrafter or dynasty or keeper, that type of situation, Tony is draft. He was drafted to replace Sterling Shepard because Sterling Shepard frees up $10 million off the books when they cut him next year. Uh, and I think is I think there's only like three or 4 million dead cap. I would be surprised if Shepard's on the team next year. Um, so Tony's a nice one that you see. And then DFS, he could be fun. Uh, but for, for pure redraft or for pure fantasy point purposes, I don't think he's going to have much standalone value at all. Yeah, the move with Shepard is just about over receptions every single game. That that tends to cash. <laughs> that's because that's all he does. The Galladay situation is going to be interesting because you know this, and people who have watched Galladay for his career know this. He doesn't separate. He's actually kind of similar to Des Bryant, but not Des Bryant overall ability like i'd take des bryant 10 times out of 10 over kenny galladay but similar to him in the fact that he's never been a great separator that's not what he does well it's the fact that even when he's blanketed he comes down with the ball a lot of times why i mention that is because i'm hesitant on kenny galladay as a whole not just because of this move not just because of touchdown value it's because daniel jones isn't the most aggressive if you look at it like Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to Kenny Galladay do it he's just going to throw the ball into Kirk Cousins just do it all the time and they make some stupid decisions but that'd be great for their value I'm worried that Daniel Jones doesn't look at him enough because he's covered because of Daniel Jones hesitancy to throwing into coverage and that hurts Galladay even more than what we've already seen so I have Galladay as a fringe wide receiver too and that's with touchdown value behind it the way that I see it with just so many options, and even if we do get Barkley involved in the backfield, and now they have two tight ends potentially on this team to throw to, that I just, I, I wonder about the wide receiver sets to begin with. So we just named four guys. They're not going to be playing all four wide receiver sets. They have enough tight ends that maybe they go jumbo and go in like in a 12 package. Yes, Galladay will be on the field the most of all these guys, but it's, I don't think that he's going to be someone that plays 100% of the snaps at all times. It'll be like an 80, 85 that type of guy, when he's healthy and if he's a bit banged up, which we've seen over the years, then you know, it might be down to like 60 or 65. Like they have enough options yeah. that I could see them rotating guys in and out. And that's just going to hurt the overall number of chances that he gets to score fantasy points when it comes down to it. And with so many mouths to feed, you're not going to see a Kenny Galladay 27% market share anymore. You're going to see a Kenny Galladay like... 17% market share, 18% market share. And he's not always the most efficient guy on the field. Now, there is the counter to this where they went out, they spent all the big money on Kenny Galladay. They want to use him. He's going to be the focal point of this offense after Barkley. I could buy that. I just don't think that it happens. Yeah. And I was waiting and smiling. You mentioned the one name behind all this, too. And it's not Daniel Jones, it's 
The clapper. We still have Jason. Yes, we still have Jason. Get now. Granted, oh gosh, I was just about to say his name, and now it's escaped out of my head. They brought in a coordinator to help with Garrett and bring a fresh mind in. And I'm not saying, but it's I'm not using the cliche. You can't teach an old dog new tricks type thing. But Garrett's still in charge. And I say that the fact of where we're going to go back to now, Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones going to throw the ball 600 times this year, because unless he's throwing it 600 times, what you just brought up is just, it's not only the, the, the target share. It's also the fact that Kenny Galladay was struggling to probably get over 105, 110 targets. And actually I think my initial projections, uh, when they come out in our draft kit next month, I think my initial projections was only like one, I want to say it was one Oh eight or one Oh nine for him in targets. And granted, he did a lot with the 115, I think he got with Detroit two years ago. But at the same time, it, what he did a lot was he scored, what was it 10 or 11 touchdowns? Do you remember I, how many touchdowns he scored? But that, that's the thing. He scored the touchdowns. In, ter- in terms no, of the projections but, that I'm using right now, I have 104 targets, 65 catches. That's it. You're right in the same range. 1,005 yards and five touchdowns. Now, the touchdowns could be way off, and that could be the big differentiator right. in all of this. If he does score 10 touchdowns, then he's going to be like a fringe wide receiver one with those numbers. But if not, and he is around like three, four, five, you know, he's going to be like wide receiver 22 or something. And that's the biggest thing. You know, go back to the conversation we had before about Gallup. Uh, if the touchdowns can swing wildly, but I would rather bank on somebody with a, a, a market share we know is going to happen and a, a easily attainable yardage and reception number where, okay, worst case scenario, you get four touchdowns, you're still wide receiver 25. You get eight, and all of a sudden you're inside the top 10. Like, I'd rather go for those guys than the Kenny Galladay's of the world. Like, uh, a healthy Odell Beckham, like a healthy Odell Beckham, which I know is a huge ask, but we know a healthy Odell Beckham's catching 1,200 yards and change. And if he uh, he turns into Odell Beckham from three years ago, all of a sudden now you tack on eight or nine touchdowns and he could be back to the wide receiver one conversation. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can go down the OBJ route this season. Although <laughs> this I, is the year, I, yeah, this n- is the n- year when n- nobody n- wants him. Now, now that everyone's actually given up on him, now is probably the time. I want to talk tight ends though on the Giants. Evan Ingram is there, but then you have Kyle Rudolph for reasons that i'm currently unaware of but you know kyle rudolph's gonna steal like five touchdowns and no one's ever gonna no you're not gonna draft kyle rudolph you're never gonna play him on DraftKings. you're never gonna prop bet him anything like that although first touchdown who is the jabroni and see i'm mixing it in now was it caden smith was that the guy's name yes is he still around? The one they, uh, it was the 49ers. The, the 49ers drafted him, and he didn't even make the opening day, and they got him early. Maybe they drafted him last year. Uh, I think he's still on the roster. I don't see why they w- he wouldn't be because they just, like I said, they just got him last year. Yeah, Case Smith's still on the roster. Yeah, so you, you, he'll have some sort of weird And, and. Oh, my guy. Don't forget Le- Levine Le- Toy Lolo. Yeah, Levine Toy Lolo. He's always fun. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be on the field just for fun blocking purposes. They just have too many fucking guys. That's the issue with this team that <laughs> it's it's... Almost like you said with the Patriots backfield, like who is going to be the cheapest of these? And then where it's receiver, not running back. Do I even want these guys? No. Well, go back to what I tell and say every single year. You buy the cake, not the icing. Just buy Daniel Jones and be done with it. Cause he costs yeah, but, you nothing but on Jake, top of it. I prefer just buying the icing and not the cake. And then eating the icing <laughs> out of the thing with my hand. I'm like, no, nah, and it's delicious. <laughs> I don't need all those. I, listen, I'll take the carbs that come in the icing, not the carbs that come in the cake. Fair enough. Oh, there's a tight end called, I don't even know who this, Cole Hick, Hickutini? 
on the roster they have like <laughs> a million tight ends uh really what uh, oh i was gonna go back to you said for reasons unknown the reasons they they brought in kyle rudolph is for this they, they brought him in for the pass blocking tight end situation but if he's the pass blocking tight end unless you're kicking evan ingram off the field now you have two tight ends and go back to the same conversation we've been having about this team the entire time well if you have two tight ends probably don't have four wide receivers on the field so it's just it's, i think i'm buying daniel jones and nothing else maybe maybe Shepard shepherd or cost is just always a good bet because even if he misses games you just cut him he doesn't cost you anything ever where do Shepard's you think, so disrespected where, where do you think that shepherd is going amongst wide receivers right now my guess would be in the 50s Shit. Where he's going? wide receiver number 70 overall right now in Oof. fantasy drafts oh just do that oh they also brought in Kelvin Benjamin to be a tight end. Don't forget about that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Really? Oh, you missed that? You didn't I, see that? I just, I, I, I think, <laughs> I, I, I actually think that I have Kelvin Benjamin's name muted on Twitter. That's just, that, that anytime he, he is mentioned, like he, two he weeks does ago. not buy. There's no way he's making the team as a tight end, is there? I mean, he should have been, a, he was the person that should have been converted to a tight end to begin with. <laughs> How old is Kelvin Benjamin now? Is he like surprisingly like 25 years old? Because... He wasn't no, good he was when he was six or twenty-seven. There's no, no. He was on the Cam Newton Super Bowl team, wasn't he? Oh my God, he's thirty. Yeah, yeah. Like he Way wasn't good as a fat man in his prime, but now he's going to be good all of a sudden. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he was the one that kicked off all these. Everybody's moving to tight end thing. He was doing it before Tim Tim was doing it. He was doing it before it was cool, man. Can I can I share a secret with you? You hate Kellen Benjamin. Well, yeah, sure. I'm rooting for Tim Tebow, and not only for him to make the team, but him to be like kind of good. <laughs> I'm rooting for him to be good too. I I love the hate that he's getting. Like, oh, you're taking away a job from somebody. And guess what? If he makes the damn team, he's taking the job because he's the best option they have. Like, shut up. If he can succeed as a tight a tight end, he can succeed at anything. If he would have worked out with the Mets, that would have been fine. The Mets thing I could understand a little bit because that was clearly the Will Ponds of PR scheme. But, you know, with the football situation, God, and that dude was busting out of the jacket. And then I, I, I don't know, even including the pictures, like, because you know how they always time those pictures, like Mike Davis's legs looking like the size of a tree. They always time those pictures weird. But the I don't even talking about the Tim Tebow where he's holding the ball. With the, the, I'm talking about when he was on the stage. I think it was in Texas somewhere. And like he was popping out of his freaking jacket. This dude's jacked. Yeah, there, there's, I want him to succeed. It, it's, with you. it's like that uh, Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis photo from two years ago, where it looked like that. Uh, yeah, or that, the DK Metcalf one. Remember it, the one that he was like at the on the water or something. Yeah. So tight ends, Evan Ingram, maybe, but probably not. Nah, I'd say I, Evan Ingram is kind of like a mid. It's see this. Here's the thing, though, and this is not what we're talking about. He's a mid tight end two for me. Oh, great! If you want to take. Well, no, but if you want to take him over like uh, Austin Hooper, because what if he gets his hands back from two or three years ago? But what I'm saying is like tight end. I want somebody that could potentially finish top five. I don't who who wants tight end 10? Because you know what tight end 10 did for you? 550 yards and six touchdowns. Whoop de freaking do. Like I like I don't know if Robert Tunyon's gonna be any good this year, but I think I would just rather gamble on him than Ingram. And if he sucks, I'll just cut him and pick up some other loser off the waiver wire. Like like you kind of hit on it. Like, do I want the guy who's consistently scoring six points a week for me? No, not really. No. No, you don't. Not at all. I mean, look, and then there's people that pop up every single Logan Thomas last year. Where did Logan Thomas finish? Like, I want to say eighth, sixth. 
Logan Thomas finished sixth last year. L- Logan Thomas can be really good this year too. That's kind of what I like about him is that he's he has that he's sort of like the upgrade of Evan Ingram in terms of fantasy numbers, where his floor is higher than Evan Ingram's. Plus, he has a bunch of upside. Like I talk about, like the eight for eighty-two type guy. That's Logan Thomas. Yeah. By the way, do you know who finished tight end eleven last year? No. <laughs> Hayden Hurst. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. No, Hayden, Hurst, Hayden Hurst finished ninth at 571 and six. All right. Well, I was close. You asked me for 11th. I guess the guy randomly who was ninth. I think no, 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 no. I was, I, I was saying that with disdain for Hayden Hurst finishing at night in the tight end position, not disdain for your answer. That's more, more the point of like 600 and what is it? No, 571 yards and six touchdowns. You're tight end number nine. I'm trying to see. Like, I would much rather have like Tyler Higby. At the back of the draft, not, again, no, not not that I think that he's that. not that I think that he's going to be any. Like, he could be good. I see a path where he is a fantasy. I don't want to say impact player, but a, a tight end that you start every week who's good. Okay, top five. He could be the fifth tight end this year in fantasy points if things break right for him with Stafford, with no Gerald Everett around. It makes sense. Thank I can I, I can work at a logical case in my mind where that happens. He's being drafted as tight end number eighteen over Evan Ingram, who Billion. is going to do the same thing he does every single year. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on Higby. I have I have a lot of Higby, but it's for everything you just said, Stafford, no Gerald Everett, which are, that's nobody's focusing on that. Gerald Everett's gone, everybody. Like that was the all excitement for Tyler Higby, for, and he was there last year. By the way, the difference between Hayden Hurst, 127 fantasy points at number nine, no, 121 points, and tight end 19 is 20 fantasy points for the entire year, not even two points per game. That's crazy. So, yeah, just give me somebody that can potentially. I, I'm with you. I don't think Robert Tanya is going to do that again touchdown-wise, but I'll take the chance that he does over most of these options. No, 100%. Like, if we're trying to mine target share and just opportunities and targets overall at the tight end position, like, it's going to be a tough scene. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, that's why we had the conversation that you and I did, and that's why I said I would take Kyle Pitts as the fifth tight end off the board just for that because he could finish potentially top three, especially if Julio Jones is there. So I'll take that chance. I'm not worried about taking the chance on Mike Kosicki. Oh, where's Mike Kosicki going to go from 700 yards to 800? Yay. I mean, that could be pretty good, I suppose. He already finished his tight end seven. What's his ceiling? Tight end six? That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like these tight end five, six, sevens, eights, nines, like those, uh, well, five is where I have pits. But, and we do this every single year. This is the whole group, the guys that disappoint every single year. The OJ Howards and the Evan Ingrams and Hayden Hurst last year. And it's all, it's this, this group of everybody from like seven through about 11 every single year it ends up being the like, why did we even draft these guys? I suppose so, but you have to draft a tight end at some point. And yeah, round 14. <laughs> yeah, no, no, so I, I'm with you on that. Do you think that there is, I know that people do stream tight ends, but if you just, mm-hmm. if someone told you, you can draft random tight end in round nine or round 14, and you have to stick with this guy, you know, for three, four weeks, and then you have to pick someone else up, or you didn't draft a tight end at all. And the only, you had to play someone different every single week, or maybe you not necessarily every single week, but starting in week one, you only have available free agent tight ends do you think that you would score more points out of your tight end position rather than drafting evan ingram yes i do i do think streaming tight ends is a viable option especially when you talk about if you look at 
things that like you have in your data. I have my uh, APA just the points allowed. Like you talk about strength of schedule, which is actually strength of opponent for what they give at the tight end position. And you can target teams that specifically give up to that area. And then you could just target matchups and go down that road. I mean, if you did that last year, there was a lot of weeks I was doing it in one league and it wasn't the most fun. And I didn't hit every single week, but I remember playing the Schultz of the world. And then of course he ended up being wildly popular. So he actually worked in a lot of leagues by himself, but like Gronkowski towards the end of the year, cause nobody wanted Gronkowski cause he wasn't doing anything until the second half of the season. But Logan Thomas, uh, who else? Johnny was in that mix because you just wanted a touchdown from him. I'm trying to, Oh, our boy, which I never did, but you know, Jared Cook trying to chase that touchdown. That's really what you're you're really just trying to chase somebody who scores a touchdown on 40 yards. And you could do that and you get 40 yards over 16 games with a touchdown and half of them and now you have tight end 8. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty viable strategy if you really wanted to go for it. It takes a lot of guts. I actually played back when I cared about season-long fantasy football way too much before the, you know, popularization of DraftKings and betting on football when I had more time to screw around with I used to join like random public leagues and just sort of as a test myself and I would write like articles around it that's how I used to write my waiver wire column is I basically just draft kickers for 16 rounds like fill out my teams with the worst guys possible and then starting with week one I would construct my team from the waiver wire to see how well that (laughs) I could do do it. it it's it's not as bad as you would think no, you go back for everybody out there just as a test. I mean, go back and look at the ADP from last year and look at how many people just let alone as what you're talking about. But look at that, how many people are starting around five that weren't on your roster by the end of the season. I mean, is round five the worst round? Like, is anyone ever good been drafted in round five? No, actually, it's funny. You said, the reason round five came to mind, I actually think round five is super wide receiver value this year, just from the drafts I've been doing. Like, yeah, I know there's the argument every single year and people who want to go wide receiver early and, you know, I'll wait on running back or a bell cow running back or two running backs or three running backs or what you love to do. And I definitely have no problem doing it this year where, you know, I'm one of the people that I don't like taking Kelsey in the first round. You and I have that debate every single year, but yeah. I started a draft and and, and I always do it and then maybe try to double up with Kittle. Yes, on top of it. I remember that as well. But I, I did a draft this year where I was towards the end of the first is the 11th pick. So I did Kelsey because I'm like, you know what? If Kelsey's there in the second round, I would take him at that point. So why not just do it now and make sure I get him? So I went Kelsey running back, went running back again in the third, and then wide receiver, wide receiver. In the fifth round of wide receivers, you're talking about what's on the board. We're talking about people that were, were you know, arguably third or fourth round last year because of concerns. Like you're talking about potentially here here's the, I, think, like, I, I, I got the list right now Thielen Galladay Cooper Cup Deontay Johnson Tyler Lockett Brandon Ayuk DJ Moore Odell Beckham T Higgins and Will Fuller that's like your five sixth round receivers right now those are all twos those are all twos potentially finishing inside the top 15 if things go right granted you know it's not the best but where I say is like and then if you go wide receiver again in the sixth round you have two twos both probably finishing close to the top 15 if things go right but you've also started with kelsey who gives you that leg up and two really good running backs so that's why like i think why i was here or why i was here round five this year is a hell a, a just gift of value at wide receiver this year well we went for an hour on 
two teams. Um, two teams. <laughs> I was hoping we would get eight teams in in this. So let's call it quits for uh, part one of the NFC East team breakdowns. So we'll probably have to figure out a way to streamline this a little bit. This 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 video will do well though, uh, mainly because uh, you know Dallas and New York Giants are going to be in the title. And everyone, else, there's enough yeah, people in those two places alone that people will click on that, and then we'll try to speed it up for the other ones. We can yeah, we can include Washington and Philly with another division. Yeah, you know what? We'll do Washington and Philly as a standalone. Um, and then, you know, we'll continue to do them. I'll, I might even bring on some other people so I don't waste all of your time. And we get some, you know, dissenting opinions. We basically just litigated like most of the league through these two teams somehow. <laughs> I know. We just got everybody involved. Draft strategies, didn't 10 other teams somewhere in this mix. I listen. I'm just like. Well, it's good though. I, I'm just so excited to be talking fantasy football again. Obviously, I love me my golfs, but. I got to start doing like two fantasy football shows a week. So I'm just ready for the grind that I know that is coming of eight fantasy football shows a week. Well, not even fantasy football, betting on football, DraftKings football, like I mentioned. Uh, but this is going to be a lot of fun. I got a huge. Speaking of betting. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Because you mentioned that about the Cowboys. As soon as all the lines came out, I put a little chunk on Washington to win the division and actually the NFC. Really? Yeah. Mostly the division. I mean, the division was more money because it's just like that. Those odds don't make any sense to me. Like that defense is ridiculous, still ridiculous. And what was their biggest issue last year? And you add Fitzpatrick and Curtis Samuel and you drafted um, Diami Brown. And now you have a second year of Antonio Gibson and health. I just that 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 line made I granted I could see the Cowboys winning the division, but that line made no sense to me. Yeah, it's plus 285 right now. You know what? Let's talk about Washington. Let's finish this off. We can be more efficient. We don't need to litigate every single person at their position versus every other player in the league. We can just talk about the team <laughs> specifically. I mentioned Fitzpatrick before. He is going to be starting in Washington this season. Um, Fantasy-wise, this is never really good after he signs a deal. That's usually when he cra- kind of craps out. Then he takes a backup deal. Then he comes in for four games like, hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick's pretty good. Let's give him a big deal. I think that he's an upgrade, obviously, over Dwayne Haskins from last year and probably even Alex Smith right. for these receivers. But for me, like even in two quarterback leagues, it feels like he's going to lose his job at some point, doesn't it? To who? Who cares? That no, I, I do care. Like you know, I'm the biggest Tyler Haneke fan there is out there. ODU represent man, but uh, I love Haneke. I don't. I don't think he's losing the job to Haneke. Like put it this way, unless Fitzpatrick gets hurt, he's starting all every single game for Washington. You see, you That's, can say that. Just, you can say that, but when Fitzpatrick goes bad, it, he's unplayable. He, he, okay, for fantasy purposes, he's unplayable. But they're not turning to their backups. That's the issue here. Is like you would have, you would have to have like four terrible you would have to four double digit or double digit two to three interception games before they turn to heineke because again heineke was funny was a little bit of spark um or even the other one from carolina kyle allen they're just you don't bring in fitzpatrick for what he can do for what this team is he's a veteran on top of being somebody you know can win games yes it can go horribly wrong and when fitzpatrick goes wrong he turns into the pumpkin uh but you mentioned for fantasy purposes super flex there's appeal two quarterback there's appeal single he's going to be in that jared Goff conversation scoring 16 17 maybe points per game at best so he's in mid qb2 at best but for real life purposes he's not coming off the damn field unless it's three it needs to be three terrible not bad games three terrible games in a row he is the starting quarterback for washington that's the thing though i can see him playing four just horrific games in a row because i've seen it before (laughs) i can't i can't not on this team i can't with this team i i will if you told me 
if we can take health out of the equation, because any full season game, like, you know, you know, this, you bet a lot of unders because banking on health in the NFL is a big deal. But you told me he's playing 16, starting 16 out of the 17 games. And I say, or that, like, if you told me that was the thing and it health wasn't included, I would take that bet. I would take the bet that he's starting 16 out of the 17 games. All right. Antonio Gibson, my guy, JD McKissick lead the backfield for the Washington footballs. Mm-hmm. What do we make of Gibson in year two coming off this injury? So I actually wrote up in that top five breakout. And what I started with is rookies and guys who don't qualify as in like they already broke out. Antonio Gibson was a rookie last year and technically already broke. Like, where's Antonio Gibson going to go up from here? And but I brought him up as a concerning factor here is because while he had a respectable receiving line, 36 and 240, 247, zero receiving touchdowns, is that you look at the fact that out of the running backs with a higher touchdown per carry percentage, there was only three. Gibson averaged 6.5%, which is a remarkably high number for a touchdown percentage of per carry. Kamara, DeAndre Swift, and Dobbins were the higher. I would have never guessed Swift, but Kamara, Swift, and Dobbins were the only three that were higher. On top of that, you now have Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick throwing to running backs, that's the concern for Fitzpatrick and Gibson. He doesn't throw to running backs. Actually, here, I'll get, I want you to guess this for me. Since Fitzpatrick's been a starting quarterback for the last five seasons, so only games he started, you know, obviously we're not including the, play, the games where he wasn't out there. For games he started the last five seasons, how many receiving touchdowns do you think running backs have had behind him? Hmm. It's going to be like one or zero, but I'm not too concerned about receiving touchdowns from running backs. It's like the same reason that I no, felt no. that I kind of fell in love with uh, JD McKissick so often was, Hey, this guy's going to get like double digit targets every single game. That's good enough for me. Well, no, he's also not throwing to the running backs in general. On top of that is also, I think the highest you had was Matt Forte with like 30 something yards. If I remember correctly off the, but uh, the point being, there's only been two receiving touchdowns in the last five years. That's crazy. It was actually Bilal Powell and Cam Sims. Cam Sims, really? That is a oh, name. Cam Sims is on. No, did I mistype it? Yeah, Cam Sims is on the freaking Washington. Who was I thinking of that I wrote? I go. I just, nobody called me out for this in the comments. Blah, pal, and who is the one is on the Jets? Trenton Cannon. It might have. No, it wasn't Trenton Cannon. I have to go back and look and pull this up. Pull up the stat. See, this is what happens when you write so much and you start mixing up names when you're talking about two teams at the same time. I can't believe nobody called me out for that. Uh, may- now somebody's going to put it in the comments. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> no one cared. <laughs> Nobody cares because there's only two receiving touchdowns in the last five years with Fitzpatrick. So, so we're worried about Gibson's overall upside because no, receiving- just I don't think Gibson's going to take another step forward. That's that was the entire point behind this. Is he's a great mid to high RB two. He's not going to break into the RB one conversation. So he's being drafted as number twelve. So right on the uh, right on the turn. Right on the turn of running back one and running back two. That's the 12th running back off the board. That is one spot ahead of DeAndre Swift, two ahead of Joe Mixon, Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, and that's behind like Eckler and Akers and Aaron Jones and Chubb and guys like that. I don't really... What sort of role does McKissick have this year? Because I feel like without Alex Smith, it's kind of non-existent. Well, what I just brought about Fitzpatrick is kind of... Yeah. And and especially... like I hope... Washington is telling the truth and wants to get Gibson more involved in the passing game, which is just a weird thing because that's what everybody said about him coming out of college. Great receiver. How good is he as a, as a runner? And then Washington basically flipped the entire script of what he did in college and treated him as primarily a runner with very little receiving ability. He has more receiving ability. He can offset my concerns if they use him more that way. But the compounding factor of Fitzpatrick and already not used that way. 
uh, that carries over to McKissick. I, I don't think McKissick is going to see the value we saw last year where he kind of had that James White right RB3 and half and full point PPR. I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't go back in on McKissick. Do we worry that there's going to be like another Peyton Barber resurgence like we had for four games last year? Like Lamar Miller is on this team currently. Could he just randomly pop up and steal 60 carries? Like that's sort of the stuff that I'm worried about with Washington because it feels like they just do goofy things. They just do this every single year. And then they, they brought in Jarrett Patterson, an undrafted free agent too, which was a lot of people thought who would get drafted and what people were a fan of. Uh, yeah, I would say it's a mild concern, but I wouldn't put it as in like the years before this. They have Gibson now. Years before that, they didn't have a true answer at running back. Wide receivers on this team, obviously, Terry McLaurin, our guy, scoring McLaurin. He's way up there. He's going as the yes. 12th wide receiver off the board. Mm. Feel like that's even too low. Too low? Yeah. I'm the opposite. I think it's too high. Why is it too high? He he looked, Cause I, that, it, it felt like he played on two broken ankles last year. Uh, look, you know this. I am one of the biggest McLaurin fans. You know what? It, it, do, it, it doesn't sound like you are. <laughs> I can be a fan of somebody, but also not enjoy the situation as much as I did the year before. And that's really what it comes down to. Is you look at the target share and the market share for Terry McLaurin last year and how many targets he had last year. I don't see how bringing in Curtis Samuel, now Logan Thomas is a thing, and drafting Diami Brown, and Terry McLaurin's going to go up. Yeah, but how that, much? How much do you think? It, how much do you think Diami Brown does this year? Honestly, I think he could be a lesser version of Will Fuller. He's going to be a factor in three wide receiver sets. I'm not saying for fantasy purposes you're drafting him. I don't want to care about Diami Brown at all. I'm just saying. 40 targets sounds reasonable. His targets don't even matter. What I'm coming down to is. Terry McLaurin had 100 and I was going to say 130. Let me pull it up. 134, 134 targets in 15 games last year. I don't see him getting more, even with Fitzpatrick. That's the problem that I come down to. I think that Terry McLaurin could easily repeat what he did last year, but unless the touchdowns go up, four touchdowns, he was wide receiver 20. Even if you do points per game, he's wide receiver 17. So that's the thing. It's not that I don't like Terry McLaurin. It's just you're going to draft him as a wide receiver one. That's essentially what you're doing at wide receiver 12. I just, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's, I don't see him getting to that unless the touchdowns go up. I, I, unless Fitz Magic, which is quite possibly that he goes completely in the tank and that's the end of him. It just felt like last, 2020 for Terry McLaurin felt like the worst possible outcome for what his stats were going to be. It felt like he was hobbled every single week. Then he had Alex Smith. That's fair. Then he had Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins throwing in the ball. At least Fitzmagic is going to try to force it to him, which I'm good with. So if I'm looking at a target share of, let's even like go conservatively here, 22%. If I run the numbers okay. with a 22% market share in this offense, and I, and I personally think it's going to be like 27 or 30%. It's going to be one of the highest in the league, yeah. even yeah. with Curtis Samuel around, because I'm not sweating really anyone else besides Logan Thomas. There's enough to go around to get him at 30% when you know he's your best playmaker. That's going to leave him with like 145 targets, 93 catches, maybe 1,300 yards, get lucky with some touchdowns, and it goes from like four to nine, and he's like the number five wide receiver. I'd smash the under on those targets a thousand times out of a thousand. I would obliterate the under on that. And I'll, I'll happily be wrong. I would I would love to be wrong. But what'd you say, 140? Yeah, 140. You know how many receivers had 140 plus last year? Seven. Yeah, I, don't, we, I just don't see him getting there. All right, but how many had over, like who was in like the 130 to 140 range? 130, 140. Robbie Anderson, Tyreek Hill, McLaurin, 134. 
Lockett, Cooper, Woods, and that's it. All right, so you add an extra game and it gets all those guys there. Well, I mean, I'm not saying, I think that's part of it too. And I think as soon as I said the 134 in my mind, I read the comment of like, well, is there an extra game this year? Per game basis, whatever it is, market share. I just, the market share, I don't see him getting that high. I'm going to take, I take Amari Cooper before him. Who are the guys, you said 12. Who are the guys going right behind him? Going right behind him right now, we got Mike Evans, Julio, which is crazy, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Robert Woods, CeeDee Lamb, Adam Thielen, Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup. See, I would take those first four and then put them right there with Robert Woods. I would, But not. I would take him before Robert Woods. I would I would probably put Julio ahead of him, depending on how that situation yes. plays itself out. I'm I, I, Cooper. I basically see... I'm not taking Cooper. I'm taking McLaurin, for sure. Like, he just... The competition with Cooper... Like, Cooper might not end up being the wide receiver one on his own team. That's the way that that offense could not shake unless out. he gets that, hurt. That is not, it's not, though. Lamb could, Lamb could take that leap and be better than Cooper this year. That wouldn't stun me. It would stun me if, without and, injury, anyone passed or even came close to McLaurin on Washington in the receiving game. No, but the difference is I'm going to take Dak Prescott in that offense, and uh, if C.D. Lamb passes Amari Cooper, that means they both finished in the top 12. I don't know if they're going to finish in the top 12. That seems pretty lofty, especially with just with the other options that are there. And Dak... No, and, no, no. and Dak and Zeke taking that stuff for himself. No, no, sure, but my my point was if Lamb passes Cooper, and we just talk, we covered Lamb in depth. I'm just saying they're both. If Lamb finishes ahead of Cooper, that means they both finish top twelve. Because I just don't see Cooper falling outside of top fifteen. I, Cooper's not going to fall out of that. Cooper is too damn good, and I don't like Cooper for fantasy purposes. But I there's the, the flip side of it. I don't like I love the player. Like talent wise, I like Cooper. I liked him coming out of college. I, I just never wanted him because of the inconsistencies. But when he got matched up with Dak, he just needed Dak Prescott, and he's been great since Dak Prescott has been the quarterback for the Cowboys. Are you going to draft any Curtis Samuel? Yes. Okay. Curtis Samuel right now is going at a reasonable price. And I will definitely take Curtis Samuel. I don't think Curtis Samuel can put up the exact same numbers now being the number two with Fitzpatrick. He could probably st- take a step forward. He is going in the Jamar Chase, Corey Davis range at wide receiver. I'll take Curtis Samuel over Davis, not over Chase. Would you take, I mean, it's the same range as Michael Gallup as well. Would you go Gallup or Samuel? Samuel. Cole Beasley or Samuel? Samuel. Jamison Crowder or Samuel? Samuel. Crowder's not going to be on the roster in a few days. You really think that they're going to end up cutting him? They have a ton they of cap. They save like $12 million. Yeah, but they don't need to save any money is the thing. It's not like they're over the cap. No, but why, why are you going to throw away money when you just drafted his replacement? Who could possibly be better as of right now? Jake, you're talking about the Jets. Uh, a, well, <laughs> I was gonna say that's a good pushback. That's a good argument. Uh, Logan Thomas, is he actually for real here? As a player, sure, but it's tight end. We're always chasing last year's, and I don't. For where Logan Thomas is going now, I'm not going to chase last year's because you bring in Curtis Samuel. If Gibson does make some, put it this way. Let's go back to your point about Terry McLaurin. Let's say I'm wrong. Let's say Terry McLaurin averages 28% market share for the season. Curtis Samuel is going to be a factor. Gibson's going to be a factor. I can just see where Logan Thomas is the one now left out because they have Curtis Samuel. So 
Logan Thomas is for real. Do I trust him repeating? Is I think that's my concern. Uh, well, I he just had over hundred targets last year. I, I ran the I, when I, I I ran the median projections, and again, that's just going to take like whatever the middle comes out as for people who don't know about that. Uh, and McLaurin actually got spit out twenty three percent market share to me. That left Logan Thomas at fifty at fifteen percent, which would have him in the range of fifty eight catches on eighty nine targets, which is probably it's it, it, like Evan Ingram territory, like the Evan Ingram that we described a few minutes ago <laughs> is that player. Well, no, but the funny thing is, is every, so I was only because the Giants in doing this division, um, both of them are only one of five tight ends that have over 100 targets. Evan Ingram had over 100 targets last year. Are you serious? That's how bad he was. He had 109 targets last year. That blows my mind. Logan Thomas had 110. I just know because I was looking this up for the tight end piece that's coming out next week. That's how bad Evan Ingram was last year. Uh, Washington's over under is eight, by the way. Do you think people are betting the over or the under on the old footballs? I think they're betting the under and I hit the over myself. They are betting the over that has been juiced up to mm. minus 140. One of the biggest juices this early in the preseason oh, right now. Well, that, that changes things a little bit, but you didn't ask me. I was going to say seven and a half. I was going to be off by a half again. Yeah. Some, some of them are even, some they're not. Okay. How about this? How about the Eagles who we're going to be talking about right now? What do you think their over under is? Five and a half. It is six and a half, and everyone is smashing the over. That's minus 155 to bet the over of six and a half, plus 125 to bet the under. (laughs) So, what you're telling me is that the betters of the world have the entire division over 500, and everybody's winning a bunch of games. Jake, I'm looking to get a lot of views on this video. Why do you think we started with this division? (laughs) Fair enough. Good call. Uh, one of the most <laughs> polarizing players going into fantasy drafts this year is Jalen Hurts, and I just truly think it depends on how far he falls. I think if you can get him at a discount, you absolutely take him. He has number one QB upside. He has a whole lot of downside to go along with it. But you, again, it, it's almost like with some of these players that you can take late. Can you construct a narrative and a path where you see them hitting the milestones that you want to get to? Maybe QB1 is probably not on the table. It would all really depend on the rushing at that point. But if you could get 80% of Lamar Jackson's 2019, I don't think that's crazy if he plays every game. I agree with you. I have a lot of Jalen Hurts. I had him inside my top 10, which was one of the initial rage out fest for everybody in the comments about Jalen Hurts. Did you watch him throw the ball? Okay, hold on. Are are you required to read the comments? Because reading the comments is just the absolute worst thing you could ever do in anything. No, I'm engaging. I actually answer 90% of the comments because I engage the reader. (laughs) I actually, real quick, Pat, for the first 11 weeks, because Nando was keeping track and did like a whole shout out on our Slack on the inside. The first 11 weeks of the season, I had over a thousand comments in the rankings column every single week. Jake, this is why I started my own company because I I just, I I couldn't be bothered with Slack shout outs. I just, I just couldn't go for it. (laughs) But Jalen Hurts, look, one of the things I said about Jalen Hurts was he draws a lot of similarities to Dak Prescott when Dak Prescott came out of college with more rushing upside. But the reason I brought up Dak Prescott is because this is what the sentence I said was. Imagine if Dak Prescott was treated coming out of college like what we knew Dak Prescott could be. And I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to be that because that's the ultimate goal is that he becomes that kind of passer. He looked shaky at best at times last year. Jalen Hurts looked awful. You know what else looked awful? And it still looked awful as of today? Lamar Jackson. But we're talking fantasy. We're also talking about a team that 
thrust their quarterback, their rookie inexperienced quarterback, into a situation and a system that wasn't designed for him. Again, someone like Lamar Jackson. The Ravens spent the entire offseason, the one year, designing the offense around him. The Eagles have spent this entire offseason knowing Hurts is going to be their quarterback. You've seen the moves they made. You've seen the construction. You've seen the bringing in of Sirianni and what he wants to do with this offense. This offense is now designed for Jalen Hurts. I say all that also to say this. One more. Daniel Jones last year. Do you remember how many pass, passing touchdowns Daniel Jones had last year? Oh, you don't even need to look up. 11. You take Daniel Jones' passing line. Just ask Daniel Jones. That's all you want Jalen Hurst to do as a passer. Be Daniel Jones from 2020. And you add in 800 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns, which is very much in the realm of possibilities for Jalen Hurts. And he's QB 12. The rushing is everything. That's why I put all that out there. The average projection I have for him right now, uh, 130 rushes, 738 yards, and five rushing touchdowns. That, that feels pretty there conservative if he plays the 17 games. Although it does, the projections do have him as a much better passer than maybe he is. And maybe, listen, maybe he just takes a leap forward. He's a good passer all of a sudden, or at least an average passer. Then you're doing pretty good here that I have him with 570 pass attempts for like 4,200 yards and 25 touchdowns. If that's going to be the case, if he's, he has that, he's going to be a top five quarterback. QB one. Yeah. 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 But all you need, just conservative, 3,400 passing yards and 22 passing touchdowns. And with the seven to 800 rushing, he's going to finish inside probably the top six or seven. Yeah. I don't understand why people get so mad. And listen, if it's not for you and like your personal opinion is that like, he's not going to stick the ear. He's no good. Then don't fucking draft him. Like it's that easy, but yeah, you have to like, you, I understand that there's downside that goes along with this. Like that's pretty obvious, but if you're oh, the downside for, is he's benched. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, no one is saying that doesn't exist, but where he's going in drafts and it hasn't got out of control. Like I thought it would. I thought that he would be being drafted like maybe Herbert is kind of quelling this a little bit that everyone wants to get Herbert and those same people would normally be the I want Jalen Hurts people. Exactly. And it's really it's the same people that, you know, can't separate, you know, the whole fantasy versus really the same people that want to draft Baker Mayfield as QB one every single year. Like Baker Mayfield is just not going to throw for 4000 yards because of that offense. Like we can you need to separate sometimes like your perception of who the player is, the perception of what they do well and the reality of what they do well and don't do well. And then understand that fantasy is a different ball game with some of these players running backs in the Eagles offense. It's good that we ended with this team because this should be a quick one because it's, I don't want to say it's pretty yes. obvious. It's just, there's not a whole lot of, a whole lot of meat on the bone in this offense. Is Miles Sanders an actual workhorse running back? Will he ever be that? No, he could have been, but I say no, not because of his talent. I say no because go back to the Eagles. What have they told us by watching this team? What have they told us by reading what they've done? Is that they don't trust Miles Sanders as a pass catcher? Is that the issues we saw last year partly due to Miles Sanders' play? And yes, part of it was the offense in flux and not having a great number one option at wide receiver and all this stuff. They went this offseason and said, you know what? We're not confident in either. They already had Boston Scott. It, you know, they bring in more options. They go pick up carry on Johnson. Not that I, mean, I want to be surprised if he's not on the opening day roster. But hey, you, you leave carry on needs to be on the roster. He and yeah. Ashley from real world San Diego are having a baby very soon. So I need my girl oh, okay. Ashley to be so taken why... care of here. Oh, well, hey, look, I'm pretty sure the carry ons already made a decent chunk of money for just being 
drafted where he was in the NFL. But anyway, they drafted, speaking of drafting, they they drafted Kenny Gainwell, who is a pure pass-catching running back, similar to like Boston Scott, mold of those type of running backs, the Tariq Collins of the world. But you look at everything they've done, and yes, Sirianni's even said they want to throw to the running back more, but what they've done is we would assume that they don't feel great about Miles Sanders. I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Sanders gets kind of the Nick Chubb treatment, but isn't Nick Chubb. Well, here's the one thing, though. With Hurts at quarterback, I think it really helps out what Miles Sanders can do. Even on, even if he has limited touches, it feels like his efficiency is going to be off the charts. That where he's going in drafts right now, is he running back number 18? Feels like he could definitely... Like, would you rather have DeAndre Swift or Miles Sanders? Because I think I would gamble on Miles Sanders that he gets a bigger chunk of the touches than you might think. And even if he doesn't, I think the upside's about even here. Yeah, I think they're very close. I actually, when the top five breakouts column tempered the expectations of DeAndre Swift, and that's another team. You know, you hear everything that's being said, and you've seen what Anthony Lynn has done in the past and the talk about Jamal Williams. And the biggest thing, too, is DeAndre Swift is an exceptional player. I love DeAndre. He was in my tier one of running backs. Don't love the situation. Again, also because who's the better pass blocker? Jamal Williams is one of the best pass blocking running backs in the NFL. So that team, I think, Swift and Sanders are actually in the same tier for me. So where you're talking about the value there, if one far exceeded it and finished inside the top 10, I think Sanders, if he gets his passing game back, could do it more than Swift. I don't think Swift is nearing 20 touches a game where I could see Sanders getting back to that. No, I just like Miles Sanders' big play potential and with Hurts drawing so much attention from the defense that there will be lanes. And we even saw it towards the end of last year when Hurts was playing. Like you'd see Miles Sanders just break off these huge chunk plays. Like if he has daylight, he's gone. And I think that's really where people get drawn in with him. Yeah, and the other big thing too is Jared Goff doesn't throw to his running backs. <laughs> So that's 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 kind of it. And I know he hasn't had the best pass catchers behind him, but it's just also the last. Actually, do you know where he ranks? I'll let you guess, Pat. The last two years, where does Jared Goff rank throwing two running backs out of the qualifiers of at least 100 pass attempts? Uh, can you at least tell me how many qualifiers there are? 57. I'm going to say 51st. 57th. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> dead, dead last the past two years. And even if you want to go back before that, when Todd Gurley was in Todd Gurley prime there, he was outside the top 80, and there was only like 100 and some qualifiers. He was down in the bottom 20. Wide receivers. It feels like there is fantasy gold to be mined from this team somewhere. I got to figure out who it is. Is it Devonta Smith? They did spend enough draft capital on him that you yes. think it would be him. Is it Regor, who they yes. spent the draft capital yes. on last year? My guy, Greg Ward. Remember when he was a thing for like three weeks? Two years ago <laughs> yeah. at the end of the year? I mean, I remember, but he, I'm saying no to him. I'm saying yes to Rager and Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith. What about your other uh, guy? Oh, isn't Travis Fulgham Travis ODU Fulgham. as well? Yeah, well, you remember this. I was the quickest to say get on board, and then I was the quickest. To... There's perfect say. I love you, Travis Fulgham, but there's some wide receivers who aren't equipped to be the number one. As soon as defenses treated him as the number one, he just he's not. He's a wide receiver three in the NFL. I would love if he could be more. I 100 percent would love if he could well, be more. But we have to be well, hold on. How, how does this look? Let's say they play a wide receiver three wide receiver set. Who is on the field for this team? Rager Smith and probably my guess would actually be Ward. Ward in the Depending slot. On what they're doing? Or Ward on the yeah. inside. More than the slot. I think you see Devontae Smith pushed outside. Devontae Smith is going to be inside and out. They'll move him around. 
Yeah, it's going to be tough. The projected market share right now of targets that I have is Smith at 24%, Reger at 16%, Ward at 9%, Fulgham at 7%. Because as we are recording this, Ertz is still on the team. So he's going to suck up some of that too with Goddard. Yeah, I was going to say Fulgham and Ward would be the ones that kind of switch back and forth depending on what they want to do. But the biggest point being is the Rager Smith is Smith is walking into a hundred plus targets. Rager is going to see that as well. And the big thing about Rager is that I brought that up earlier in the show and said, you know, I brought it up the Henry Ruggs comparison too, is like both these guys were miscast asking them to play primarily outside. They've already talked that Rager is going to spend some time in the slot moving around this year more, but also guys that had, no legitimate threat next to them. Like Nelson Aguilar became a thing, but he was playing out of the slot because Brian Edwards got hurt. So you push Rager outside, both being rookies, both being asked to take number one corners and number one attention on the defenses. Let them grow into year two. Let them not be, you know, double and triple teamed and bracketed and stuff like that. And I think Rager and Ruggs are terrific values this year. Where is Rager going? I would be guessing he's going in this the Shepherd range. Uh actually no. Uh maybe let's see, Rager. Yeah, yes, actually. He is going 75th amongst there you go. wide receivers. Behind Devontae Smith, by the way, right? Well yeah, but but here's Smith, the thing. Devontae Smith is going at, like, number 53 among wide receivers. Like, he's way better That's than everyone value. else. Like, he's going behind Mike Williams and T.Y. Hilton and Marvin Jones and Henry Ruggs. Like, just based on his opportunity alone, he should be going, like, 20 spots higher. Yeah, he's walking into 100 targets. In ra- I'm going to – this is another one. I'm going to have a lot of Rager and Smith this year, Those as of right now. Uh, listen, if the projections are to be believed, it is Smith that you want because at a 24% market share and what this offense is going to be, and don't forget, this defense isn't very good. Uh, no matter how much like it seems like there's <laughs> players that you know on it, they're not any good. So they're going to be giving up a ton of points in a division <laughs> with two offenses that are pretty good. You're going to have to play them twice. That there's going to be a lot of catch-up on the go, which is great for the Hurts rushing mm, yards. Patrick but if, if it is Smith, right now and he does get around a 22 23 24 25 percent market share i mean he could have like 140 targets in this offense yeah he could but yeah and i i would agree with you i would take smith 10 times out of 10 over jalen rager but i at their cost i would take both of them on the same team because rager's costing you nothing to them not that i want to do that but where rager's going for cost wise I'll take the chance, like, what if he's the guy that breaks out in year two and Smith struggles as a rookie? Like, he wouldn't be the first to do it. I don't think he will, but he wouldn't be the first. Oh, my God, I forgot. They still have Jordan Howard on this damn team. What are they doing? Oh, yeah. Jason Hundley, Elijah Holyfield, on Johnson. You got, you got just got names yeah, well, here all the way down to the depth uh, Huntley and Holyfield aren't going to be on the team. Who is the leading rusher on this team? It's Hurts, right? Oh, no, it's still Sanders. Sanders can, even if he's not involved in the passing game. Does Sanders get to 1,000 yards? Yeah. I'd put, if you if you asked me for an over-under, I'd put it at like 1049.5. Well, now I want to see what it is. Receiving yards, passing yards, receiving yards, receiving yards, touchdowns. They don't have the rushing props out yet. Bummer DraftKings Sportsbook. They, they know because if they put them out right <laughs> now that everyone's just going to smash unders and wait for a week, a preseason injury, and you get paid out on your bet right yeah. away. So you're probably <laughs> probably a bit pensive on putting those ones out. Uh, let's talk tight ends here. Ertz is still on the team, like I mentioned. But do you gamble on Goddard now in case that Ertz isn't going to be there, or are you just kind of down on Goddard? Where do you, do you have Goddard's? Because the drafts I'm going in, I don't know. I don't really trust where Goddard's going. What, what's his ADP right now? Uh, Dallas Goddard, the last week, uh, is number 11 behind Evan Ingram, behind Rob Gronkowski, a spot ahead of Kyle Pitts and Johnny Smith. 
Nah, I was going to say if, if Goddard was like tight end 15 or 16, that doesn't sound like a big group difference. I probably would have done that. But for the, it's more of also, it's not just 11, but it's also 11 where 11 is going in drafts. I'd rather you're, it's Higby's behind him, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, Higby's number, like number 19. Yeah, I'd rather wait on Higby, Ferksker, yeah, my boy, Adam Trotman. Like, I would just rather wait on those. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, to, to, but, but here's the thing, there. though. Like, tight end number 11 is going in the 14th round. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, then, no. Okay. Well, then I'll, I'll take Goddard there. Yeah, I would take Goddard there. I was thinking tight end 11 was going in, like, the 10th. No. Uh, pick number hmm. highest he's going is going to be, like, sometimes he'll go at, like, pick 100. Most times he'll go pick like 129, like 140, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, I'll definitely do that. So I, I guess, I mean, with a lot of these back-end guys, it really depends on the draft that you're currently in. That if you play with yeah. Eagles fans, maybe maybe he goes super highly. If you play just <laughs> people who value long. tight ends or whatever it might be. Or if you draft the day that Zach Ertz gets traded or cut, then Goddard's just going to shoot up. And then he'll eventually you know, come back down to where his resting point should be. But you know, some of the stuff is just so dependent on when you draft and who you draft with. Of course, that's it's always the biggest thing. Like I said, I, from and maybe I'm doing too many dynasty startups, but like tight end 10, 11 is usually off the board by that 10th, 11th round. So that's why I said I don't trust the drafts I was in. So there you go. Yeah, and listen, even some of the ADPs that you see right now, there are so few drafts on the go at the at this point of time at the end of May that at the beginning of June whatever the fuck day it is that you know this isn't the greatest info in the world, but well, it, do, it does give you a relative say- like starting point. Well, and there's some sites out there too that I'll have like the rookies are just populating the hell out of it because there's those are the only drafts going on are the rookies drafts. So then you see like ADP and it's like best available. There's just like ten straight rookies and you're in the fifth round. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. So yeah, there, you take all the ADPs with a grain of salt right now. But at least from what I've seen so far, that that's kind of where he's been going at. You know, high end, you know, tenth round, low end, like fourteenth round. And I do think if Ertz isn't there, the potential for a I don't want to say a big breakout season. Ertz but technically wasn't there last year. He wasn't, but but Goddard was banged up for a lot of last year, too. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So if you get a healthy Goddard, yeah. no Ertz, pencil him in for, like I said, like a 15% market share. If this offense does have to pass a little bit, that you know he could have like a Bush League Mark Andrews type season. Yeah, I, could, I could just see a Mark Andrews type season because if you told me no Ertz and Goddard's 100%, you can make the argument that the pecking order is Smith, Goddard, and then Rager. Yeah, I, I could most definitely see that if Burtz wasn't around. That would put him like in the Noah Fant Hawkinson territory, wouldn't it? Yeah. Can we get Noah Fant a good quarterback? No, yeah. we're not doing that. We're yeah. save this for another day. Save it for another day. We had to run through the teams. But we, we did speed it up, so I'm very proud of us for doing that. What do you got coming out at theathletic.com uh, you know, like next week or so? Yeah, the top 10 wide receiver breakouts and then the top five tight end breakouts. So there you go, especially because we don't care about baseball on this show. No, we do not, unless you go to (laughs) ftndaily.com. Use promo code MAYO to get yourself a discount on the MLB package. There is fantasy baseball picks and bets on Mayo Media Network. I am not a part of that show. But I have some great people who do baseball. And if you do want baseball picks every single day, it runs six days a week, Monday through Saturday. It's like 15 minutes every single day. It covers bets, it covers DraftKings, and it covers prize picks and the best props of the day. If you do want to check out baseball, we do have baseball content. Fuck, we have hockey content still going on through the playoffs. (laughs) Just it doesn't involve me, which, you know what? Some people might prefer, Jake. Uh, You know what? Uh, I know Meanie is amazing at hockey. 
So yeah, uh, if basically you just followed Meanie's shots on goal props for this season, and you bet let's say ten dollars on every single one, you'd be up like twelve hundred dollars, I think. No, I actually stopped because I was cursing him for like four straight days. But uh, yeah, I was still overall, even with that jokes aside, like, yeah, I I, I made some money off Christmas shot props. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, so <laughs> including fan- the playoffs. Yeah, so fantasy hockey picks and bets. You can check it all out on Mayo Media Network. Subscribe to the channel. Please smash the like on the way out. We're going to become more efficient in doing these division previews. Uh, <laughs> so for myself, at the PME on Twitter. For Jake, at All In Kid on Twitter. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Family experience! Experience!